0: Looking for last-minute weekend getaway? I've got you covered. I have five road trips already planned for you. They're all a few hours from New York City, so they're the perfect trips for anybody on the East Coast to tap into. Whether you're looking for family-friendly, a romantic getaway, something leisure, activities-filled, history, and heritage-filled, or if you want to spend the weekend, stuffing your face. The packet has it all. It was designed to take all the guesswork and planning off of your plate. You choose based on the vibe or the distance. Included in the packet are itineraries for weekend trips to Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Hartford, Connecticut, Johnson & Burlington, Vermont, and Montreal, Canada. It includes packing lists, a pre-trip car prep guide, and Travel and Shit podcast playlists of road trip content. These itineraries are perfect for travelers who enjoy having a plan with space for spontaneity. Save yourself the time of planning and skip to the getaway. Let this itinerary pack take the stress of planning and packing off of the table while you focus on the road. Visit TravelAndShitPodcast.com slash travel resources to download your copy. I made it around the world. salutations and shit folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Travel Shit. Where are your hosts, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways that travel intersects with regular life. Um, so I am happy to be here with y'all this week. Thank you for those of you who have already taken the listener, the listener survey. Um, I humbly ask that if you have not, please take it. It allows me to get to Better know you guys and get a feel for what you are most interested in so that with um future programs if you will and um collaborations and projects that i work on can be geared towards topics that you actually um have current interest in uh additionally i do have an announcement about one of those projects that is coming out shortly. I will be making an announcement at the end of June, but if you would like to know what that special announcement is sooner, I would love if you would join my mailing list. Um, I have an email for my subscribers so that they know what the announcement is going to be. Uh, Both of the links to the listener survey, as well as the mailing list can be found in the episode descriptions wherever you listen to your podcast just scroll up to where all the words and the titles and all that jazz are and the links will be right there for you um so this week I was working on so it started with a question I was genuinely curious if everyone wore their wedding rings on their left fingers they don't majority of the world does. However, the, so it's, I looked it up. It was India, Germany, Spain, Norway, and Russia traditionally wear their wedding rings on the right hand. Um, I am certain that, well, I'm certain because I also Googled and it came up in the results. There are a couple of different reasons why people will wear uh, a ring on their ring finger. I wear a ring on my ring finger on both fingers because generally my rings will fit that finger, but some people wear the ring on their ring finger as like a relationship commitment, or I think somewhere it said like, especially if um, chastity was important to them, do what you want, reason why you want it for however long, whatever. I don't really care. I was just curious if everybody in the world wore wedding bands on the left finger. Um, And that was because I'd seen people wear, wear what I assumed would be a wedding band on their right hand, but, um, inconsequential, right? It was a curiosity of mine. That curiosity got me to thinking, well, whatever, what other norms do we have here? Like what other cultural norms are there? Right. So I was going to go the traditional route and look up some things that as Americans, you may find, um, different or, Take some getting used to when you go to other places and interestingly enough i came across an article one of the first links when i googled it was a guide to american culture and etiquette and i realized i'd never really considered what would be considered american culture oh there goes the plant this plant is basically dead he's I'm going to say it's a guy, but he's probably a male Gemini. Um, They've been the most dramatic men in my life. Lord Jesus. But anyway, that article I found in my Google searches and it is from Penn State Harrisburg. We are, uh, my brother and a couple of my girlfriends went to um, Penn State. Oh, one of my former guests, uh, Dr. Bruno also went to uh, Penn State for undergrad. Shout out to Dams. But um, there were some, I won't say weird because I'm American, so it's normal for us. And instead of talking about different, you know, cultures and customs from around the world, a little cliche if you ask me, I wanted to talk about some of the cultural norms that we Americans have that other motherfuckers find to be uh, weird or take getting used to or things that they have to adapt to because that was just more interesting to me. Um so this episode is obviously going to now well, obvious now going to be about um American culture and etiquette because we're some weird ones. Well I mean I don't think we're weird because I'm American. I do a lot of these things but I gotta say that um and this was also there were quite a few little anecdotes And I'm going to read a couple of those to you, but there were a couple of anecdotes from some of the students at the school. I don't know when. Let me see if there's a date on this. Um, I don't see a published date on here. Let me see if it's at the bottom. I mean, it's a cultural norm, so it's not as if, you know, This is something that's necessarily going to expire. But then that's another question. Like, I wonder if there are certain norms that traditionally expire. Hmm. Things that like just because of the nature of what they are, don't last forever, right? Another curious question. All right, so let's jump into the most interesting points to me. All right, so one of these was... Since I did not come to the United States until last summer, everything for me was new at the very beginning. First, I think people here are welcoming. Usually when people in China see strangers, they ignore them and keep doing what they are doing. Things are different here, however. When I'm walking on campus, people, don't, people I don't even know say hello or smile at me all the time. Now, when I see them, I will do the same thing. But in China, I don't think I would ever do that. People in China might think you are creepy or strange. They would ask, I do not even know her. Why is she smiling at me? I always pay attention to those little things. Maybe some international students will not regard it as a big deal, but this makes me feel like Penn State Harrisburg is a big family. Cute girl. Um, so I spend a lot of my time, uh, I work in Manhattan and I'm always in Chinatown. And that's a norm. Chinese people will absolutely just total, totally be oblivious to your existence. Like you, They don't see you, now granted, As with anything, this is not uh, a global blanket characterization. This may apply to um, a large swath of the population, but it's obviously not everybody especially in the States where a lot of Chinese people are very Americanized or they may be Chinese, but they are American citizens and they've been in the States for seven generations. So just because someone is Chinese doesn't mean that they are straight, you know, motherland, China. Um, they could have been here for generations and be very American. So it's not to say that it is, um, the same way, for example, somebody might say, Oh yeah, black folks all, all eat fried chicken. Plenty of black folks don't, Um, you know, black folks don't use proper English, plenty don't. But we also know that that's not a blanket statement for everybody, right? So little disclaimer that obviously applies to an episode like this or to a conversation like this, that while there are norms and general practices, it's not to be assumed that this is like for everyone everyone has their own also personal interpretation of the same interactions. While as something is viewed to be rude to me, it's not necessarily rude to someone else. So that is really um, the overarching lesson, if you will, in the episode that culturally, we're all very fucking different in a lot of different ways. In a lot of ways, we're very similar. And a lot of these are just adorable. And really funny, but I will say in China for my, the day I spent in China, I spent like a full, maybe 19 hours. It was a layover trip beautifully uh, and perfectly planned. I got in wild early. I think I arrived at like 6 AM so early to the point I was in Shanghai so early to the point that my host who was an absolute gem, couldn't tell you what her name is. But um, she was so adorable. She had her house dress on all day. Um, I got there very early, 6 a.m. She didn't speak a lick of English. So she had her phone where she would do Google Translate and I had my phone where I would do Google Translate. Um, Unfortunately, the room was not available when I first arrived, the person that, you know, they were still there. But thankfully she allowed me to still come to the home and I just sat on the couch with her in the living room until the person checked out. Um, Apparently they were checking out very early. Um, I don't remember how long I was waiting, but then she had to like go in, change the sheets and it's just like, okay, so you really didn't like, when you think about it, it's like how much cleaning to a room is there before you check in They change the sheets. They might mop sweep the floor. Um, that's it. Especially I was sharing, I rent, I got a bedroom in her home. Like I didn't, um, this was her guest room. Um, I didn't have like the whole place. So I wasn't expecting, um, uh, I guess a full sanit sanitization. I think that's how you say it. A full sanitizing of the space, but it just felt like, damn, I'm still breathing the same fucking air that this last person was in. Anyway. Um, I think I had a private bath. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. There was a bathroom in the room. Uh, One of the grossest things to me was that the bathroom seat was cloth. Like there was a toilet bowl, a toilet seat cover, like cloth. That was gross to me. Um, So I knew like, I'm like, "What what is the likelihood that she changed this between me and the other person? So that really grossed me out. But otherwise the place was very clean. Um, She was very kind and she got all of my um, Ubers for me and she made me feel very welcome even with the language barrier. Um, But my experience there was either people were staring at me like I was a fucking alien or they didn't see me there at all. I didn't really uh, notice too much in between. And by in between, I mean, there's, I would say, um, I don't know if it's a New York thing or if it's, yeah, I wouldn't say it's an overarching like American thing, maybe it is. But the way I interpret my experiences in not just large spaces, but like large spaces, like out, about, out and about, like in streets, malls, um, businesses and stuff like that, they're like different, there's, I guess you could say, I experienced it in like three tiers. There's utter disregard where I, I just don't exist. You would walk right through me if you had the opportunity. Then there is, um, not a disassociation, but um, live and let live. Like I know, I acknowledge, like you're here, I might, you know, give you a head nod or just not interact with you at all. But like, if I pass by, I say, excuse me, I, if I'm walking, Um, by you in an aisle, I walk behind you and not cut in front of you while you're looking at something on a shelf. Um, Like that middle ground where I don't think you are invisible, but like I acknowledge that you are a presence to be maneuvered around um, in respect of your personhood. And then there's the friendly where, Hey, how are you? Good morning. Good afternoon. Where the store employees greet you or small talk with somebody in the toothpaste aisle. Like, you know, I used to eat this as a kid. I actually did used to, (laughs) I remember there was this one time I went to the dentist and I don't know if my grandparents took me or if I just ended up going to my grandparents' house afterwards. But my goofy ass was sneaking around, like slowly. I had to have been like maybe five or six, like I was an idiot as a kid, but how many of us aren't, right? But I was sneaking back, I was sneaking around and eating the toothpaste because it was fucking flavored. It was like bubblegum or some other like kid flavor. And goofy me was like taking little like squeezes of toothpaste and just eating the toothpaste. So, um, how did I even get, how did I even get there? How did I even admit that to you guys? But It's um, like a, a kind of acknowledgement that, you know, yeah, okay, now I'm there. We're in the toothpaste aisle and you small talk, you say something funny or you acknowledge something inconvenient that somebody else did in the aisle or if you are buying, I don't know, soap you say, I don't know how people even bother buying Irish spring. All it does is like dry out your skin, right? Oh my gosh. I never buy that shit. And now ha ha ha. Have a good night interactions in the store. So for me, those are the three tiers of, you know, interacting with people. And I didn't get much of that. I didn't get any of that, um, third tier, the small, the interactions, the small talk, the pleasantries, um, not even at, we went to not a market, but like, it was more like a outdoor, say flea market or, um, most of the tables had like old magazines, old books, DVDs, and kind of flea markety kind of stuff, but mostly media, like digital media and stuff. And, um, Rarely someone working a table would acknowledge that you're standing at the table. Um, Otherwise, people would just, you're just not there. Same thing walking in the street. Either you are me, my experience, either I was not there at all or I'm being stared at. And mind you, I had my hair short and I think at the time it was like blonde or something like that. And I had this really cute jumper on. I wish the shit fit. Um, but it was a really cute, um, like tannish brown jumper, cute outfit. So it was like, are you staring because like you think I'm attractive or are you staring because you've never seen a black person before? And in the defense of many of those oglers, I was in old Shanghai, which is not far from say like, metropolitan Shanghai, we weren't too far from the Bund, which is a very, um, I guess you could say popular business hub. They do a lot of uh, financial things over there, I was told. Um, and there was a mall that was nearby and malls always attract people from all the places, whether you are a local, whether or not you're a visitor, like everybody goes to fucking malls. So, um, and by the time I was in those areas, like in the mall and in areas where there was more modernization, like, uh, along bus routes, uh, where there were Metro stops going along the street when we were outside of old Shanghai, it was more of, um, okay. I wasn't getting like the really intense stairs, but in old Shanghai where there weren't as many visitors, uh, tourists, I would assume, um, where they were just a little bit more set in their ways and just more traditional, that's where I got the stairs. So for that very reason, understandable, but still interesting. And um, yeah, so there was no, you know, nod or uh, smile or I guess polite interaction, amongst strangers, but um, it was still a good time. Still a good time. So here is another one from uh, an international student from China. Also, the relationship between professors and students is more like friendship. In China, we have been told that it is necessary to show respect to our teachers. We have to be serious, and there is almost no joking in the classroom. Everything in class is formal. However, I experienced something totally different here. My English teacher sometimes brought homemade desserts to us. I still remember when she knew my birthday was coming. She baked a special kind of cookies for all my classmates, and they sang the happy birthday song to me. I was uh, touched by this, and I will never forget it, since I would never have this experience if I still studied in my home country. Um, So that was nice. But what this made me think of was in college, I had a professor who insisted on us not calling him Professor Ross. Mad cool. One of my favorite classes. Uh, shout out to my line sister, Crystal. We were both like, what? We're going to call you not your first name. We're not gonna call you Terrence. Like that's not gonna work because we don't do that. And mind you, I think it was maybe us and it was a relatively small class, which was probably why it was also one of my favorites. Um, I think there might've been no more than 20 of us. Uh, It couldn't have been more than 20 of us. Um, And as is, uh, other than I'd say my history to African-Americans class, I was used to being one of the handful of black students. It's not that we didn't have a black um, population on campus, but we were still a very significant, a more significantly small portion of the campus. Um, So I'd say there out of the 20 of us, there couldn't have been more than maybe four, maybe five black students in the class. I'm gonna ask Crystal, but anyway, I don't remember what, other students said but I know me and Crystal were like yeah so first name doesn't work I can respect that you are an adult and if you as the grown person adult is telling me you don't want me to call you something I have to honor that but this is really uncomfortable for me for someone at the time who was probably like 20 and had spent the last 15 even more formative years even at by three by the time you're addressing people with actual words um It was Mr. or miss this, you know, um, or aunt this or uncle this. So we had to split the difference and we were like, all right, so we'll call you T Ross or we'll call you Ross, but we're not just calling you Terrence. Like that's not going to work that whole, um, respect for teachers and respect for adults, especially when I was in school with professors, It just did not feel comfortable for me to address a teacher other than by professor, doctor, or Mr. Miss or whatever. So that is the one teacher that always stood out to me because he hated that shit and I get it. It's your, it's your, it's your name. I I got to acquiesce to whatever you want to be called, but that teacher student, it weirded me out. Um, And that I don't think I can ever forget. Uh, let's see what was the next one I had highlighted on here oh this was a cute one this was under the driving laws and etiquette it is important to have cash with you when driving to pay for tolls that are required credit cards are not accepted and that is cute to me because I think let's uh, the last we've taken a ton of road trips over the past almost two years now and I think I have seen an actual person at a toll booth maybe three times. And that's highball. The last trip we took, we went to Virginia and DC. I feel like we saw one option for like a cash lane, but cash lanes are so outdated. At this point, most tolls are either by mail or easy pass. So if you don't have an easy pass, be prepared to get some shit in the mail. Um, I rarely, rarely see cash one. So I thought it was cute to highlight that one that they have it on there. Um, there's another one from a student from China. People prefer to drive fast and they regularly exceed the speed limit by 10 miles per hour. Once I asked my classmate to practice driving with me because I had not passed the road test the first time he asked me to speed up all the time on the way to PennDOT. Finally, he said, Kalidia, you drive like an old person, like my mom. That is the main reason you failed to test. Do not worry, drive like Americans. Last month, I went downtown Philadelphia for an, uh, for an interview. I drove uphill, stopped at a crossing and then I began going across the street. When I was at the top of the hill, I saw a car, a car passing me quickly. At the same time, a voice said to me, it's all over because neither of, because neither of you see each other and you are so close to him. But I fortunately survived, you know why? I learned to drive like an American. That was cute. She didn't exactly detail what she did to survive. I'm hoping shorty bobbed and weaved. She swerved or something, but glad everyone made it out safe. That one was interesting. And yes, 10 miles is generally the um, the accepted threshold for, that's generally my rule of thumb. If I see the speed is 25, generally I try to go 30 because, them, let me tell you something those speeding tickets on local motherfucking streets for being like seven miles over the speed. Like they will really, really, you will get a ticket. I want to say for like seven miles over or like nine miles. I got to I I don't know. I'm not going to go back and look, but I remember they put a bunch of tickets up, um, along a route that I'm always on. And I had to have paid $300, if not more in tickets in like, a 4 month, 6 month window. It's just like they kept popping up and those are the most frustrating because it's like I'm not even speeding. Like I'm going 34 miles or I'm going 37 miles, you know what I mean? But if the speed limit is 25 and you're going 37, that's a fucking ticket because it's over 10 miles um it's 10 miles over the posted limit. Um it's also illegal to drive, I think it's like Fourteen. They, I didn't highlight it, but it's in here someplace. But there is like, um yeah, I don't see it here. There's a threshold that you cannot undercut. Like if it's 25 miles, like you don't want to go 15 miles. Like you don't want to go 10 miles. Like that's fucking ridiculous. Unless of course you have your hazards on and then we get it, girl. Um Let's see. So eating culture and etiquette. Some of these were just like stupid, right? One of the things was Americans like sweets. Again, we caution because I personally don't like, I don't love sweets. I'll eat them, but I prefer salty. I'm a savory, go- a savory girl. I would absolutely prefer a bag of chips to a cookie. Um, depending on who make the cupcake though, where they're from. I'll take the cupcake. But when it comes to, I gotta have more than one, give me chips. I can have one cupcake and be good. I can have one piece of chocolate and be good. Or I could eat one, like I was gonna say bag of airheads, but that's because I like those airhead dots. Um, like I can eat sweets and be happy, but I'm not one of those people that like loves a dessert or has to order dessert when I go places or I add match. I used to add mad sugar to my coffee. Now I prefer just sugar and creamer. Um, and if my coffee is too sweet, like I won't drink it. I now like, uh, 22 year old me, 25 year old me would be so weirded out by how we've progressed, but here we are. Um, let's see. So one of the things under eating culture and etiquette is generally Americans have a more casual form of hospitality. Um, that leads to this one from, um, I don't, I can't tell if this is um, a masculine or feminine name. So I'll just say this person from India, there are a lot of cultural differences between India and the U S eating habits. Um, so we are, lacking some punctuation here. There are a lot of cultural differences between India and the U S eating habits are so different from back home. When you eat a meal at home, we usually eat using our hands. We don't usually burp unless it's with a family member, but still has to be excused because India is so culturally, culturally diverse. Eating habits also vary a lot within the country itself. We usually tend to cook meals for guests instead of takeout options. Now more and more families are moving to buying food from outside to save time to do other things. But primarily we still cook and savor food. Eating etiquette among friends is also different here in the U S friends usually eat their own meals and rarely share water bottles or cups. Whereas in India, you could just pick up your friend's water bottle and drink from it or eat from his or her plate. Um, yeah, we definitely do not share that commonality in all groups now i know say back in high school right young dumb you're invincible to the world i know i was dumb enough to like drink from like my friends um some friends not all friends i wasn't crazy but i know that even in like say college what are you drinking let me taste it um now we generally will like offer if you're going to taste somebody's drink you use your own straw or you sit before the other person drinks and then you use your straw to drink it like there are more um contingencies around sharing um drinks and i never really considered that to be like a cultural thing i think i generally considered it to be like an age thing like the older i got that just like i was just less likely to share stuff with people i've always shared food with friends. Like if I'm with someone, I don't mind. Like we'll always for the most part, especially with like close friends, right? If we're like in a small group or if we're in close friends, we'll generally ask, do you want some? If I got fries, everybody has fries. If I have wings, like some of us have wings. I don't play with my wings. Also wings is mad expensive. So well, not mad expensive, but we know wings was always gonna cost more than fries. Um, So, but if I'm like with, my man, if I have it on my plate, he has it on his plate, vice versa. Like we'll always like take some of each other's food just because why would we order the same thing, right? We're gonna order different things. I know if we are both eyeballing like certain dishes or certain drinks, all right, I'll get the lime, you get the um, Prosecco or I'll get the, the beef and you get the soup and we'll be able to have everything that we want because then we'll just share with each other. Same thing with homegirls, with family, I will easily, oh, let me get a piece of this. Or can you get, if you go to like a like a wedding or a formal, not formal, but like if you go out someplace where there's a a buffet, all right, I'ma go back up, do you want anything? Vice versa, I'ma get this. And we'll either share it off of that one plate that the person went up and got, or we bring the plate back and then we divvy up whatever we got for other people. So for me, in my experience with my friends and family, we, um, we don't eat with our hands unless it is of course, uh, a portion or a food that trad- traditionally Americans will eat with their hands, like hamburgers, pizza, um, chicken shit like that. I know some friends that actually use utensils to eat, um, pizza or chicken and stuff like that. So and I get that that's why some people like to order nuggets under the guise of boneless wings because there's no such thing as a boneless wing because the nature of it being boneless makes it not a wing and in it's just a nugget or a tender or a patty or a cutlet there are so many other fucking names why people insist on calling boneless make let it, boneless wings are not a thing they're not They're not. That is it. They are not. That's a hill that I, that's my hill that I will die on. I don't want to die, but like that, I I would, I will never change my mind on that. If you didn't know, now you do. Um, But that uh, last one, the whole food with friends, if you will. Okay. That's another one. I'll get to that one next, but that one uh, with the sharing foods and um, drinks with friends and family reminded me of Swedengate. So I have been on Twitter as of late. Feel free to find me with the same names as I am on Instagram, either underscore dcarry carry or and shit with an underscore in the place of the I. So that's T-R-A-V-E-L, the letter N-S-H underscore T excuse. So there was, I'd say it was about the end of May. I tried to scroll through back through, um, some of my saved tweets, um, bookmarks and like tweets and shit. And I couldn't really find anything about speeding gate, but there were so many different, um, people commenting and noting about their experiences visiting households in Sweden. So instead of me trying to tell you my own words, what it is, I will reference this Slate article written by Imogene West Knights. This is a very recent one. It was dated as of June 11th of this year. Um, and let me just jump with her paragraph too. So it was, so it was recently following an incident that came, that has come to be known as SwedenGate. Someone posted a response to an innocent question on Reddit. What is the weirdest thing you had to do at someone's house because of their culture slash religion. he was reported that they remember going to a Swedish friend's house as a child and being asked to stay in another room while the family he was visiting ate dinner together. Many Swedish people replied saying, well, yeah, that's the way we do it here. So um yeah apparently in Sweden and there have been a bunch of different uh people chiming in as to possible reasons for it or explanations etc cetera, etc cetera. um but the girls don't share meals and it is it was at the especially utter distaste and disproval of colored folk Twitter where people of color were, especially were like the fuck like so many cultures um especially black and brown ones are like it that that's our bag like we absolutely feed our guests like we go out of our way to make sure that we have provisions especially for guests I know um let's see where it was she had a really good uh she had a quote, blah, 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 blah. Um, one said that she was rocked by reading about Swedengate because, for an Asian family, not force feeding your guests is an abomination. A British Indian friend said she felt actively guilty that she didn't have enough different types of milk to offer someone who stayed over at her house recently, a person she didn't even invite to do so. So, even in my, at the time, end um, of May, scrolling through you know, different tweets. It was mostly people of color of all different ethnic backgrounds that were just like, yeah, nah, we don't rock with that. We're no, (laughs) we feed our guests. Um, I know that I particularly like, I mean, it's usually my dad that just makes unannounced visits, but even when my dad comes over, boyfriend, I, you want some water, you want a beer or something? Like, I always feel bad that if I don't have like, Like we don't really buy juice. The only thing we have juice for is for like a chaser for me because I don't drink uh, my alcohol straight. Um, But other than that, we don't even have juice in the house really. So I, not exactly the best host on that front, but a bitch got water. You know, I'm gonna always offer you water. I know we were at, even when we were at my cousin's house, we were the only ones there one day and they had a surveyor come around and the surveyor rang the bell, you know, announced himself. And the second time he came back to be like, all right, so I'm about to go in the backyard and I'm going to be on like the roof or something. Boyfriend was just like, hey, you want a bottle of water or something like, and this wasn't even our home, but we're not going to let anybody think that the people that live in this home aren't, you know, courteous people, even like, even in a home that's not ours, we're going to offer someone that is interacting with the household water at the very least. And it was mad hot. It's just like a common courtesy, like it's a thing to do. Right. So yeah, that was quite a thing on Twitter, but as we know, social media doesn't last very long. So, um, if you're interested in that, I have the link for, um, miss. Well, I don't want to say miss because I don't know, um, her, their pronouns, but, um, Imogene West Knight, their article uh, I have a link to that also in the show notes in the description, um, not the description, but yeah, in the description of the episode, as well as the link to this, um, Penn state document that I am reading you guys, these cute little college, um, comments and the little notes that the university decided to make available to their international students. So, Another thing to note about Sweden that I'd seen, I feel like I saw it more recently, but I couldn't find it in like tweets. But someone was saying that every, a lot of the things that Sweden, uh, Swedish citizens or people that have spent time living in Sweden like to also use as, say, a rebuttal is that while they may not have the same cues or mores as, as it pertains to hospitality, they can be lauded when you look at the way their, um, society basically takes care of everything, right? Like college tuition. Um, let me see if I can pull that up just so that I am getting direct to the point and not spending extra time. Where was it? oh, here it is. Swedes are defensive. They have some good reasons to be. Lots of things about Sweden are good. And here in American religion, blah, 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 blah. Given they have some of the most robust social uh, welfare provisions in the world, free university, excellent subsidized childcare, long parental leave, I could go on. Um, A common experience that the author had in Sweden she they lived there for uh, an amount of time that I do not remember was complaining mildly about something Swedish like the tax bureaucracy or the weird fucking thing with the law oh, there was a weird thing that she knows about the laundry like they are very in buildings they basically schedule and you have that window to go do your laundry or something and it's weird to kind of walk in on someone holding their underwear or folding like bed sheets or something but whatever um weird thing with the laundry and they would be quick to justify why it was the way it is or tell me that it's worse in other countries. So they are lauded for having um, robust social welfare provisions. But one thing that many people directed, um, I guess the audience or the the reader's attention to in many of the tweets that I saw recently were that Sweden is very homogenous and that those social welfare provisions, um, basically ask the people that are in the minority there, right? Ask the immigrants that are there. Ask, especially the African immigrants that are there. Ask the disabled people that live there. There are, while there may be plenty of people who benefit from those, um, social provisions there are also many people who have a different experience with those systems and i think that it is loud it is something that works because it is very easy to feel as if it is beneficial and it is of value to help people when the people mostly look like you and one of the things that was noted in these tweets that i was um recently referencing about how Sweden is very homogenous and that's why social welfare works is that as soon as you have an area where there are a lot of black or brown people, the desire to put social welfare programs in place to the extent that they actively work is decreased. So it's one of those things where it is often believed and often proved that white folks will absolutely cut their nose to spite someone else getting something like oh black folks are going to benefit all right yeah so we don't need it let's get that bootstrap going um so i wish i could find those tweets because one thing i found about twitter is if you scroll far enough for the most part and especially depending on who the original poster is you will find a lot of um a lot of receipts A lot of people, I appreciate Twitter being a real space of information while you can scroll through your timeline and really be introduced to things that, you know, you didn't even know you'd have an interest in or you, oh shit, I never would have considered that or, oh, that's a really interesting take or, oh, queer people in fantasy fiction. I enjoy queer people. Hello, a queer here. Hello, a fantasy lover here hello, a fiction. I am not that into any of those things that I would put all three fucking together though. But you go through enough tweets and you'll see about a whole bunch of different authors, how black folks is, as authors are often very ignored in every area. And that happens in that little subset. But it's really cool to look into little pockets and corners of the world that you generally don't even dip a toe into. But depending on the thread or what the topic is, you'll also find a lot of fucking receipts. People will post references and they will post alternate sources of information. So I love going through. And while you will find that people are very depraved in all different parts, in every little pocket and corner that you'll dive into, um, you'll also find that there are really a lot of really knowledgeable people and you just find information on things that, didn't necessarily know you'd be interested in Still that to say that, um, I wish I could find that so that I could, um, further substantiate that. But I absolutely believe that there is so much credence to that because as it stands, there are plenty of social welfare programs in the United States that, uh, media and like, and I don't say media in the very Fox news or the very, I guess there are left, I'm not really a political girl um I am not a member of political Twitter but Twitter will throw everything in your way and I do fall some down some of those rabbit holes but I don't know which side it is I want to say it's the left shit it could be the right I don't fucking know but whichever side are the ones that'll say you know media this media is bad media media that's not what I mean media I just mean in terms of written and visual. You watch the news, you like the, the cultural, oh, what's the sentiment I'm going for? The 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 cultural tone, right? What we understand the culture to generally believe is that black and brown folks are the ones that are the biggest receivers or the, um, the ones that, benefit and use many social services the most. And that is just not true, but that is always what is depicted, right? When you see a rags to riches story about someone that made it from the gutter and came back up and now has a great life, usually a black or brown person, right? Um There are white ones, right? But in white storylines, you also have four billion other fucking stories. So that is not a very large portion of their um, their genre wheel. Whereas for black and brown folks, the genre wheel is eh, maybe in, uh, in thirds, right? Three or four different parts. And a lot of those are inclusive of that struggle. And it's just a narrative that is very reductive and very overdone, but again, socially, it's part of the social consciousness, right? That is what society believes to be true because that is what has generally been greenlit and what has gotten the um, biggest set of eyes, the most attention garnered. While there are dozens and thousands and hundreds and that was very much out of sequence, those um, number characterizations or those quantity characterizations. Um, Would that make them adjectives? I think they're adjectives. Anyway, we understand that to be what is the general cultural sentiment, right? Not being true. Um, That being said, it is, that was very interesting to me that it was likely because, all right, It's easy to care about people that look like you. And that's absolutely true. It is very easy to care about people that look like you. And that is one reason I have seen people credit or people note is left out in the discussion of why Sweden is very successful with their social programs. Moving along. Uh, Another note, I don't know. I... I think this is from a young lady from China, one of the international students from China. Uh, people do not share dishes together, although they may have food at the same time around a table. Everyone has their own plates or packages of food, even when they hang out together. This is very different from the custom in many other countries, such as China. A funny story happened to me three years ago. This was the first time I hung out with my American friends. I was the only Chinese student among them. I assumed do would share the dishes. All, after others ordered their food, I thought the food they chose was too much for all of us. So I just picked a small dessert. My friends were surprised and asked me why. They told me I couldn't be full by only eating this. I said the dessert was enough and explained my reason. They all laughed and told me Americans are not used to sharing dishes together. That was super cute to me. Um, shout out to that girl. Uh, but yeah, I think that, in certain settings it is not necessarily understood or but it is maybe agreed upon that we're going to split this. I know even when boyfriend and I go out, we order our own entrees. We may, we'll always order appetizers that we're both into. And then like I mentioned before, when it comes to entrees, we'll basically, all right, well I'm thinking beef, what you want? You gonna get the fish, you gonna get the chicken? Cause I don't know, I'm torn between the fish and the chicken. All right, so I was actually looking at the beef and the chicken. So you get the fish and I'll get the chicken. This way, everybody's happy and we just negotiate things like that and then we'll share. Um, Sometimes you'll go to family-style restaurants or restaurants. I know one of our favorite spots in Chinatown, um, well, one of my favorite spots is Big Wong's. Um, Another spot that we enjoy together is um, WoHop and WoHop gives you huge, fucking portions. And after reading this, I immediately thought of, well, after reading this young lady's, um, debacle, if you will, or her confusion, it made me think of WoHop and how they give you such fucking large portions where, yeah, we ordered our plates and we could have just shared the one. Um, but good old Americans, uh, the land of self, the land of self. What else did I, um, did I highlight here? Okay. This one was under gestures. In Japan, Japan, wow, in Japan, people do not use so many kinds of gestures. So I I was surprised that American people move their hands so aggressively when they talk. The only movements Japanese people make in conversations are nodding and shaking the head. So at first I couldn't focus on the conversations because I was worried that their hands would accidentally hit me. I too am a very prevalent hand talker And I am currently um, very purposely not using my hands right now as to not be an exaggerated. um, I don't want to, uh, I'm a hand talker. It just is what it is. But um, yeah, that one was cute. I never considered somebody being afraid that, you know, they would get hit with people talking with their hands. But I guess it's kind of like personal space, right? when someone who is not used to, uh, that maybe four foot rule, you know, I I saw some here, it was just like two feet and I'm just like, two feet is still too fucking close. Um, but yeah, I don't need you right on top of me. And I realized that, especially in my work, I work with people from like a, a large, I work with the public basically. And I absolutely will have to like do the hand, like, I can hear you from there. Um, Or just kind of back up. Or I'll back up and do the lean in, especially if I realize that somebody is hard of hearing or if, you know, they um, aren't able to hear me through the mask. But, um, yeah, girl, I absolutely need more space than maybe two feet, especially if I don't know you. I do not want a stranger that close to me. But being worried that someone would hit them just because they weren't used to people talking with their hands. I never really considered that when I go to other countries because I'm just being myself. When I go other places, I'm a pleasant person and I'm also a very polite and conscientious person. I naturally am concerned with, um, sharing spaces with people. I'm not one of those people that believes that because I am in a space that it is all mine and that, you know, things function the way I want them to function outside of my autonomy and my safety, I consider other people. Uh, Let's see what else I got in here. Matters of religion. This one was cute. So it seems to me also, and this was from a Catholic Christian from the Caribbean. And I don't know if this is a man or a woman here, Uh, but it seems to me also that time is the most important thing in America. I was amazed by how short the very same service was in America compared to the Caribbean. It is almost impossible to find a church in Grenada that would finish in 45 minutes. I was rather surprised when the priest gave the final blessing 40 minutes into the service. The service that I know lasts two hours minimum. I wasn't upset, however, because I was happy to come home from church early. That's one thing about Catholics. We be in and out. And that's one thing that I always, I won't say always appreciated, but I learned to appreciate more when I would visit churches with my homegirls in high school. Shout out to Dom and Courtney. Um, Mostly Dom. We would go to her church in the Bronx. We would go to, um, oh, so funny story. Our Aunt Janine, and by our, I mean Dominique's. And because I've known Dominique my whole life, her aunts are my aunts. So Aunt Janine's actually best friends with Coco from SWV Coco. So, They were recording a church album, and so we rode with Aunt Janine and Coco. So I ain't in nobody church choir, but I'm the friend that started going to church with her homegirl. So I would drive to Dom, or I would drive, yeah, I would either drive to Dom's house, who lives in Queens, and then I would just ride with them, or every once in a while, I would drive up to the Bronx and just meet them at church. This time, we drove, I wanna say I probably drove to Dom's house, or I was with Don, I don't know. Anyway, we all drove with Anjanine and Coco and I'll never forget Coco had me wash her fur and her purse while they went up to go sing. I I felt important. I felt important. I was just like, huh, bitch, I am on purse and fur duty. Nobody is coming in this pew. Nope, <laughs> on restriction. But um, that was cute. Catholics be in and out. And I uh, was born and raised Catholic. I am no longer a practicing Catholic. Um, I just don't feel called to the church. I love what uh, church and faith and religion does for other people, but I personally do not practice um, any, I don't practice uh, religion. I'm more of a spiritual person. Um, I would still consider myself a Christian because I believe in Jesus, um, but I don't necessarily know that I believe in Jesus. Jesus Christ, like, in the traditional form. I should have given the disclaimer for my grandma to, like, skip ahead or, like, just cut it off here because I know she is, like, losing her shit if she's losing Hey, Grandma, I love you, girl. I love God, but not the same guy that y'all told me about kind of a little different. Um, I'm just more of a spiritual person, spiritual person. I believe in a, um, higher being, but I don't necessarily believe that there is a different God for Christians and Jews and Muslims. I just kind of think there's an energy we got here, science, and somehow like something created science, some energy, some being, some presence put things in place so that science could happen. And here we are. And I don't necessarily, um, what's the best way to put it? I don't have a personal manifesto on beliefs and spirituality, if you will. I kind of (laughs) just go with the vibes, but I do believe, That there is a, I guess I would be closer to agnostic. I'm absolutely not atheist. I would just be, I don't like the way religion controls people. I love how religion brings people peace. I love how it brings them order in a very chaotic world. This is a real shit show. That we live in, because people will always people, and I absolutely adore with all of my being that there is something that allows people to find some type of understanding for some things that they don't understand, or some type of, you know, gentle guidance and just um, a code for being good people, right? So I am all for the beauty that many different religions absolutely subscribe to and want their believers and practitioners to abide by. However, and I actually just finished listening to an episode. Another podcast that I really love is Something Was Wrong. And I just finished watching a three-part little docu-series on Hillsong And it was about all of the churchy, churchy purity, um, you know, Jesus, this God, this, you can do that. You can't do that. And in the podcast specifically, uh, the young woman that was retelling. So something was wrong is basically a podcast where someone, um, I won't say, uh, an, unnamed because they just changed their name, but someone comes on and tells their own story, whether it is one ep is it can be either episodic or it can be multi. It can be one person in one episode, or it can be, um, a story told by multiple people in multiple episodes. So like a couple of stories have like an entire season, like an entire 14 episodes, maybe dedicates them. And those episodes are maybe like 20 to 40 minutes long each here or there. Um, But then other times you'll have like this particular story about a woman that was um, involved with a totally shit pastor was two episodes at like maybe 45 minutes each. But um, really good podcast. I love it. Y'all should check it out. And this woman was married to an absolutely abhorrent person who happened to be a preacher. And I want to say they were probably, they were Christian of some sort. I can't, I don't necessarily know the denomination, evangelical, Pentecostal, um, non-denominational, I don't know. But um, one of the things that she mentioned that absolutely broke my heart was that she feels that she was comfortable staying in such a disgustingly horrific situation with such a gross partner because she was raised believing that it was, the woman's job to satisfy her husband. And until that was done, she wasn't doing her job as a woman, not even just as a wife, but as a woman. She detailed that through her uh, relationship, she, well, not her relationship, but like, well, yeah, through her relationship, especially in the early stages of her relationship, everything was on her. So they tried to stay um, pure, if you will. They tried to abstain from sex before they got married, but she absolutely, Knew and felt that it was only her that was putting any efforts into them not having sex. It was, if it was up to him, they'd have sex all the time. Um, that being said, she knew that it was on her to keep him from having sex with her, but also her job as the woman to submit to her man. So it was just like, anyway it was going to be her fault. If something went wrong, she was in the wrong. If something went, um, contrary to what they intended. Um, and I find that most religions in my understanding of, or in my experience of why I don't really fuck with religion is that most religions shit on women. Um, while there may be some more progressive updates and, um, nuance here and there to certain rules. Overall, we live in a very equally misogynistic, won't say equally. We live in a very misogynistic world, different cultures, different religions, different ethnicities, different races, people everywhere. Men are generally, um, perceived to be, uh, more valuable and, more worthy of protecting than women. And we see that in so many different ways. And while there are so many forces at play that will um, continuously say women matter and girls are important and all these things and rules and laws, but ultimately we are consistently reminded numerous times, like that's what consistently means, but like we are consistently reminded very harshly that women don't matter. And I'm not even gonna get into all the different ways right now that are just coming to the top of my mind immediately, but we're gonna move on. But um, yeah, so Catholics be in and out of church Wick. Uh, uh Yeah, I have just three more. So, oh, this one was a cute one. So this one was from Patricia Flecha. I'm Arante. She's from Brazil. In my country, Brazil, we can go to a restaurant and not order anything or take a long time to order. In the end, we always stay after eating to talk to whomever is with us, and it may sometimes last for hours. You pay for your check whenever you want. In the US, you're expected to enter the restaurant, order, eat, pay, and leave. Sometimes you don't even need to ask for the check, and when you eat the last bite of food, the server may bring the check for you. In the beginning, it was very weird and stressful to me, but I got used to it. If you do not want to eat, but just want to have drinks, you should ask the host hostess of the restaurant if you can get a table or if you may go to the bar inside the restaurant. Some American restaurants are more relaxed and waiter waitresses will not pressure you so um, to pressure you so much to order. Slowly, we find the places that we will feel more comfortable in. I, um, that made me chuckle because... I absolutely, like my family is not, we don't go out to eat. Like that's just not really our thing. The only time we would go out to eat, like going out to meet like in my family was like not even for big occasions, but it had to be like a special occasion. I know we went to eat like for my graduation from like college. I don't think we went to eat for my high school grad. I think that was the only graduation we went to eat for was my college graduation. Um, We don't go out to eat for birthdays. We don't go out to eat for holidays, mother's day, father's day, Valentine's. Like that's not something we do in my family. Um, Boyfriend's family though, they go out to eat all the time. So when we go out to eat, I find that we will order our food and we will absolutely stay after and talk. And I enjoy it, I like it, but it is, for me, that was not necessarily like a cultural thing because well, his parents are Puerto Rican and white, but it was just like a familial thing. Like we just didn't do that. And when we went to eat, we would eat and we would go. So I remember like, as a kid, like going to Red Lobster was like the fanciest thing. I used to love going to Red Lobster and it was like a big deal. Um, My dad, God bless him, will always, he always would cheat me and I would always feel full for it. And he'd be like, princess, you want to go eat? Yeah, daddy, I want to go eat. Let's go. Let's go out to eat. Let's go out to eat. So me and my dad would always end up a fucking sizzler. I hate sizzler. I have always hated sizzler. The wings was popping and the mac and cheese was I, but I, those are the only two things I would eat. That's it never would eat that fucking soft serve machine was always gross to me it was never no fucking top on it it always weirded me out there was always flies it always looked dirty and I would see little kids running up to it and being so excited about it and I'm like for what this shit is gross and then my dad would go eat it and I'm like bruh gag that's disgusting but yeah so he would always g me and I as an adult I get it it's like you want to do something fun with your kids you want to you want to do something nice but it's just like bruh shit costs money. You got red lobster money shit right now. I don't really got red lobster money. I'm not spending money on red lobster. I will order some crab legs though, but yeah, red lobster is wild expensive down for no reason. So is IHOP, but that is a digress. I got to say that I do enjoy having, um, kind of like, I guess you could say two families now. Um, where we just do things a little differently. And I had my experience with that with my boyfriend's family. And I gotta say, it's a good time. Um, Another one is if an American offers you something, they will understand your yes to really mean yes and your no to literally mean no. I never assumed that in any culture, it would be any different. And that was just a bullet in the article under um, social courtesies. And it, you know, there was no little anecdote or anything like that, but, um, yeah, that was interesting to me. The idea that no could mean anything other than no, um, or yes to mean anything else. And to wrap it up, the final little note that I would share from here is from the uses, uh, usage of first name, last name, and title. The first name is used very often in American daily life. When you hang out with your friends, they will only call you by your first name. However, in many other countries, people call others by saying both first and last name together. Here's a story that happened to one of my Chinese friends. He called his American roommate by by using his given name and family name together. This made the the roommate feel uncomfortable and think that this Chinese boy was rude. I've never personally experienced that. Someone calling me my first and last name. I don't know what it is, but I don't really experience people calling me by my, I don't know. I don't know if I, cause I know people have to call me by my name, but I'm trying to think like my parents have always just called me by my name. My mother does not have a nickname for me. She's never used a nickname for me. My name is always just been my name. Um, my dad, Well, every once in a while when I was a kid, she would call me Boo Boo. That was it. Um, My dad called me Princess, he calls me Scooby. I was obsessed with Scooby Doo as a kid, so that he will still carry through. Um, But usually Princess, Baby, or Baby Girl. My dad has a ton of nicknames for me. And oddly enough, my dad never wanted to give my brother or I um, nicknames because he hates his nickname. Excuse me, my dad is a junior. So they refer to him as Pee-wee. And still everybody in the family calls him Pee-Wee, even though he's an old ass grown ass man. Um and he's hated that his entire life. So I shout out to him for never giving us nicknames. But I always kind of felt weird as like my only friend that didn't really have like a family nickname. I will say that my cousins, like the cousins that I would see the most always call me um, Day or um, Day Day. Other than that, yeah, just Dana. What else? Oh, that was it. So that was a really cute one. I don't think I ever really gave too much thought to Because when you when you travel, right? Because travel is so much more than vacation. A lot of us will look into cultural norms of places when we go other places, but then not really remember that we're bringing our cultural norms with us when we go to these places. So while we may um, bow or curtsy or you know do a head nod when we see enough people in another area doing it, or um, what's another little like innocuous thing that we might do. Um, like maybe using towels before or after, um different dining things where they bring um I don't know. Like miso. Miso soup, I wanna say is supposed to be eaten. Is it before to cleanse the palate or is it after? It's one of two. Like there's like a way that you're supposed to do it. But anyway. Consider that you're bringing your American customs with you when you go other places. So sometimes check yourself, not necessarily before you wreck yourself, because generally, generally in many settings, it can be a little obvious when there is a kind of moment that is lost in translation where somebody is like, "Oh wait, so what are you? What are you, what are you doing? We don't." you don't have to do that. Or like the shoes. When you go to someone's house, do you take off your shoes? I take off my shoes. I don't wear my shoes in the house. I have slippers for inside and I have slippers for outside. My slippers for inside, very rarely. I mean, my slippers for inside don't get worn outside. My I have a pair of Crocs that if I have to run outside to take the trash out or to go get something from the car, or if I'm going downstairs to meet my dad or somebody, I wear my Crocs. And then I have like two or three pairs of slippers that I'll interchange with around the house, but those slippers don't go outside. When I come in the house, I take my sneakers off. I don't walk around my house with sneakers. Oddly enough though, all my sneakers are actually on shelves in the office here. And I will put my sneakers on in the house before leaving. Like right before I leave, I'll put my sneakers on, but then every once in a while, I'll like walk around back and forth and like, oh shit, I forgot a hat. Or I ain't fucking with this bag, I'll swap it. But otherwise like the shoes thing, like I always make note of when I come in, do I see shoes by the door? If I see shoes by the door, I'm taking my shoes off immediately. Otherwise I will probably err on the side of what are you doing? Like if you walk all the way through your house with your shoes on, I'll probably leave them on. Also, if this is like a large social gathering, I'ma just look at other feet and see what's going on. But respect. Because outside is motherfucking gross. Always has been, always will be. And those are little things, little cues that you pick up. So some things are really easily identifiable. And then other things you just got to remember, like you do things the way that you do them. But when you're going other places, take a pause, take a beat and consider whether or not it's actually, um, I guess not necessarily, well, culturally acceptable, socially acceptable. So pay attention to what's normal for you and what is normal for other people and give grace in all directions. When you see somebody doing something that may be a little bit off, consider that they're not trying to be rude, especially if you know that, um, they are new to the area or if they're very obviously a tourist. A lot of things are very easily addressed by saying, hey, we don't do that here. But with grace, right? You don't necessarily have to be an asshole. When they give you that smoke, by all means, (laughs) respond in kind. But otherwise, I personally like to err on the side of grace because I know when I am traveling, I am very often met with that same grace. All right, y'all, so again, thanks for joining me this week. If you haven't taken the listener survey or if you haven't signed up for the mailing list, the links for those are in the description box. And I would love to see you guys um, in my regular world, like in real life, I'd love to hear from you. So holla at me. Um, That's it. And I'll see y'all next week. Bye, guys.